Hello and welcome to the D2C Podcast. I'm Eric Dick. Today's totally painless D2C Podcast features Matt Fitzgerald, CMO of Tend, which was founded with a direct but ambitious idea to make people look forward to going to the dentist by focusing on something overlooked by four out of five dentists, the complete customer experience. Matt is a veteran of the D2C space, having led growth at HelloFresh for many years. So in this podcast, you'll hear how Tend has made dental work Instagrammable to drive word of mouth and customer retention, how filling chairs in localized dentist offices is much different than scaling HelloFresh, how Tend finds and warms up new markets, and you'll also find out why Tend is really a staffing company and how their brand acts as a talent magnet. I hope you enjoy it. On with the show. I would say what keeps me up is just the reliance on a limited number of technology platforms, right? And this is why I've been urging my team to focus on get more emails, get more phone numbers, talk to people directly. Facebook prices are so high right now. You know, if you have a bug in your account at Google, that throws you out for a few days. In the DTC world, you can't lose that much time. We do see nice traction from out of home though. That's the beauty of having a brick and mortar network. We can leverage billboards and digital screens. And, and we've seen that consumers play that back to us where they'll tell us that the very first time they learned of Tenman was that they were walking around their neighborhood. So that's a channel that we've kept in the mix and I don't see it going away anytime soon. Coley's content creation and management platform helps the world's top D2C brands enter new channels, reach more customers, and increase conversions through smarter creative that's authentic, made for you, and meets your needs cost-effectively. Whether you're a brand marketer trying to grow on TikTok with authentic videos or a performance marketer looking to get more images to test in your ads to improve your return on ad spend, Coley has the creators and team to shatter your marketing goals. Visit coley.com slash DTC. That's C-O-H-L-E-Y dot com slash DTC to request a complimentary consultation and get on the fast track to better content. Matt, welcome to the DSC podcast. Can you start today by telling me a little bit about the why of Tend? Why was Tend created? Uh, I'd love to. Uh, first, I just want to say thank you for having me on. I'm an avid reader of the newsletter. I pester my team with you know ideas I, I get every week. So you guys are, are doing an amazing job. So to be on the, the podcast uh, is a great thank honor you. for me. Um, so why, why was 10 created? Well, 10 was created in that there was an observation that the dental industry is this really enormous industry, right? Everybody goes to the dentist. But that about 140 billion in the U.S. is even, what I researched, even which is more, crazy. Even more, projected to be like 165 billion. Uh, so everybody goes, um, but unfortunately, many many people don't have a wonderful experience, and the experience itself hasn't changed in decades, maybe longer. And so people don't even expect to have a wonderful experience at the dentist, which kind of plays in your favor as well. It's an incredibly low engagement category. Um, and there is no expectation. You're totally right. It's just like, I got to go sometimes twice a year, maybe more. Uh, and nobody expects anything. And so we thought, well, what if you flip that on its head and make it all about the experience, right? So build beautiful studios, really lean into hospitality, uh, have technology everywhere so that this is a very 21st century, you know, modern uh, experience. And that's what we set out to do when we built the brand tent. 
Amazing. And it's that delta between expectations and what you deliver, I imagine, that allows it to have that sort of viral experience where people are literally going to be Instagramming from the dentist's office after the fact. Is that what you're finding? Uh, it is. Uh, we had with this ludicrous line that we wrote, look forward to the dentist. We actually believe that if we pulled this off, people would look forward to going to the dentist. Um, and so when you walk into our studios, there's beautiful design, there's custom playlists, there's a custom aroma. And then there's this very Instagram worthy location that we call the brushery. And it's these concrete cat built sinks. And you can brush your teeth and get ready for your visit and take a selfie uh, in our mirrors and kind of post that online and kind of enter a digital uh, experience. And so we thought that people might be willing to do that. It turns out they absolutely are. Um, and that if you have the right design experience, you know, the consumer really will participate with it. This all sounds lovely, This the design aspect, the aesthetics, but they still got to stick things in your mouth and grind away and give you things that might not taste great. What is Ten doing to actually um, improve the actual dental experience? Is there anything there or is it all more on the hospitality side of things? So hospitality is very important to us. Um, we really wanted to build a hospitality brand that was really personalized, right? Greet you by your name, you know, have all the details from your prior visits, you know, really make sure that technology, you know, was, was centered to that. However, what's really important is how the clinicians engage, we call them members with our members, to making sure that this is an incredibly soothing experience. So we use the absolute best tools, technology, where necessary, we build, you know, our own digital uh, solutions, you know, we're looking at AI uh, to hopefully, you know, aid with diagnosis. So, so we are doing everything we can. There is no part of this globe that we haven't scoured to find the best of the best materials and equipment to really make sure that you're comfortable uh, when you're there. I mean, the sights and the sounds and the smells haven't always been so pleasant. And, you know, we believe that you can change that for the better and still provide outstanding care. What has happened? I'm just thinking about myself. I actually haven't been to the dentist in quite a while. Um, I was told I have like concrete teeth. I don't even know if I can get a cavity at this point. But I wanted to ask, like, what has the pandemic done to people's dental routines in terms of going to the dentist? Are people going to the dentist less now than they were? Or has it just kind of continued marching on? So when COVID first started, uh, you know, people probably took a step back, you know, and were kind of waiting uh, to, you know, kind of, you know, begin their dental kind of regimen uh, again. Um, and I say that that was probably true for the first four or five months. So we started in New York City uh, and then COVID happened. And then really for a few months there, we were closed and there was skepticism about going back, right? Both clinicians and patients, you're lying there, mouth open and, you know, during a global pandemic. But what we learned was that there was just robust demand for this type of medical uh, appointment. And, and as we reopened, as we, you know, enhanced our already very safe uh, protocols, as we communicated very deliberately with our patients, everybody came back. You know, we were building more practices. We had, you know, our wait lists were growing, you know, by the day because people wanted to take care of themselves because during the real depths of COVID, right, and we're still battling this thing after two years, is that unfortunately, you know, care at home is challenging on a daily basis and people were grinding their teeth in their sleep, we're seeing, you know, they were starting to have more dental emergencies, you know, people that just wanted to be able to know what was going on in there after being away, maybe like yourself for a prolonged uh, period. And, and so there was a real need to fill. In addition, being on Zoom and on all of these video conference services, I think people are looking at their teeth a lot. 
And so a lot of people sought out aesthetic solutions. So teeth straightening, uh, whitening, veneers. And so there was another whole side of the industry where you started to see demand return and, and grow very quickly uh, so that people maybe felt more confident in their presentation you know, during a video conference. What's the price difference of a, of a tend experience versus a more traditional uh, experience? Is it about the same price? Is it a little more expensive? How does that work? Yeah, it, it's absolutely critical, you know, that this is an accessible, you know, concept for, you know, all consumers. Um, you know, we accept most insurance. You know, we try to have very competitive prices if, if you unfortunately don't have uh, insurance. Um, in many cases, especially in the more elective procedures, so teeth straightening, whitening and, and veneers, we actually try to deliver incredible value. So we, we don't come in at top of market, but we 100% have a premium experience, right? So the, the environment and how the staff is trained and the digital experience, that's unrivaled. But we try to deliver it at a very, very accessible price point. And for most people, preventative care is 100% free. Um, and so they get to have this incredible experience without having to turn over a single dollar out of pocket. Let's talk a little bit about your background. I was just sort of checking in on your CV previously, and you've just got a, a cornucopia of like really interesting experience from, from brands like HelloFresh and more. So I was curious, what, what was it about Tend that made you really want to jump aboard and, and drive the ship? Yeah, so I, one, I was very fortunate. Uh, I, I led marketing and sat on the executive leadership team of, of HelloFresh for about four and a half years during the really, really like heady growth period. And I think we tried everything you possibly can in direct to consumer marketing. Uh, and so it was just an incredible experience. But, you know, we had exited, you know, we'd listed on the Frankfurt Exchange. Um, you know, the business was was really maturing. Um, and I had a great, great gig, right? I was helping people cook real food at home, which I do myself. I absolutely love, dream job. Um, but I was kind of young and, you know, we were kind of done it at HelloFresh, right? They're this big, you know, beautiful delivery brand. Um, and what to me is exciting is when you jump in early, right? You're early, potentially disruptive, building a brand, changing an experience. Um, and so in my head, I kind of had a set of criteria. And when 10 kind of came along and was like dental, I was like, dental? I'm not sure that's going to be for me. But as I started to learn more and I thought about my own oral hygiene, which I take very seriously, and it was seed, right? It hadn't even launched. I was like, you know what? This may be a chance to do it all again, right? To, to try to disrupt an industry, to build a brand that makes a difference in consumers' lives, to be really proud of, you know, trying to bring modernity and technology to what's a fairly antiquated uh, practice. And, and so they're just that itch was alive and well. Um, and after meeting all the people or some of the people, there's only a handful of us at the company. Uh, I just knew this one had a, had a real shot. So I, I took my shot. So where are you now in terms of how many, um, offices do you have? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so we're a little more than two years in, uh, we have gone to 20 locations. Uh, we're up and down the Eastern seaboard. So we're in New York, uh, Washington, DC, Boston, and recently opened, uh, Atlanta, so really, really excited uh, about that. And, you know, just to, to see how the teams have grown, you know, how patients are starting to like when we just put up our construction vinyl, how people are starting to get on the wait list. It's a concept that's really, uh, really resonating. So it's been been fun to see the expansion. On the marketing side, what have been your biggest wins in terms of marketing this experience? It's been tricky, actually, because it's different than where I'm from. So at HelloFresh, it was national, incredible scale, like try everything. Uh, and what I've had to learn at Tend is that you have to be much more precise and right size your marketing because 
there's a concept of the chair hour. Okay, so you have a single hour in a patient, and if you don't fill that chair hour, you never get it back. You can't sell two. You can't you can't stack the chairs on top of each other. Uh, and so maybe we couldn't go nearly as fast or maybe as big and bold. Um, and we had to be much more precise in our targeting uh, and really even focus on as the best we can one-to-one -one marketing. You know, how can we have some kind of value exchange to collect your email or phone number, you know, or some other personal information um, so that we can kind of tell you what's going on? You know, when are we going to open up new locations or roll out new services or offer, you know, CPG products for care at home? Um, that's been a, a big difference between where I was at HelloFresh and kind of how local and specific uh, we are attend. Really something you could broadcast with HelloFresh uh, across countries even. Yes. Whereas this, that, that idea of dental, yeah, the dental hours in the in the chair makes a lot of sense. So what are some of these one-to-one -one methods? Like what, what are, what's something that's worked really well in getting people into the, uh, the vision of Tend? Yeah. So, I mean, we've done a decent amount, you know, with native or long form content. Um, and so before we open up a market, you know, we'll switch on our marketing machine in a, in a channel. And in doing so, you know, we, we won't open up the booking until much closer to the first door launching, but we will ask for someone's email address. And so we'll describe the experience. We'll show it off in photos and videos. Uh, you know, we'll drive people to a, a landing page that, you know, we'll describe the market and give people kind of a more in-depth understanding um, what it is. Uh, and in doing so, people, I think, are excited about the concept and they, they'll volunteer their information. And then we'll have like a nice steady, you know, drip CRM relationship with them to prepare them for opening up our, our booking uh, process so that they can be among the first, you know, to secure an appointment. Because these locations do fill up fast. And if you miss your window, you may be out a month or two. Um, and so I think we have an obligation to provide a bit more information. You know, this isn't a widget, right? This is healthcare. This is potentially changing someone's mouth, hopefully for the better. Um, and so we really do have to educate and that process can take time. Um, but that is something, that kind of content marketing is something that served us well. Um, not necessarily on day one, but as we've evolved the mix over time, you know, we've seen nice um, kind of behavior out of the marketplace from that. And I imagine the retention is really strong as well. Obviously, very few products have built-in, you know, twice yearly checkups into their into their market. It, uh, it's true, and I mean, we didn't have to invest in kind of celebrating that narrative, right? I think everyone in America knows you're supposed to go see your dentist twice a year. What's amazing is there are some insurance plans where you go three or even four times a year. Um, that was eye-opening to me. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's really it's really great. Now the the challenge is keeping someone engaged during that kind of six-month cycle. Um, and again, content plays a really big part of that. You know, we want to help you uh, take better care of yourself at home. But we know that every six months, you know, we'll see it in person. And, we, you know, there's been some writing and some conversations about digital, you know, the combination of physical and digital. And that's exactly where we sit. And so sometimes we're with you in person. Sometimes it's the digital experience. But but to have that cadence and that really predictable cadence uh, is really constructive. Now, you've launched some products. I see the Breezy Braces. I'm just, uh, I've got an eight-year-old whose front teeth are just coming in, and I can just tell she's going to need some braces. You also have other oral care products. Did you launch these the same time as Tend, or have they been kind of built upon after you launched the flagship sort of dental service product? Yeah, so we really launched the flagship first. That was in our Flatiron neighborhood in New York City. Um, and that really was about 
changing the hygiene experience. So that is your twice a year cleaning, x-rays, you know, oral exam. Maybe you need some restorative care, right? You might have a, a cavity or two. And that's really where we started. Um, over time, though, we, we did want to make sure that we offered comprehensive services, um, and that included orthodontics for us. And that's what Breezy Braces is. It's a kind of a almost completely hidden behind the teeth system that allows you to uh, kind of straighten your teeth without anyone really noticing. Um, it's a really, really cool piece of technology. And, you know, we've seen strong uh, demand for it. And so that's something that we're excited about. For the, the toothbrush and, and really what's about to be a full suite of products for at-home care, it's really important for us that we're not episodic. We don't want to just be twice a year, maybe three times if you need a little extra uh, care. We think we can help you twice a day. And that's where the at-home uh, program really comes in, the Suit Sonic, and we have a bunch of products uh, forthcoming, all beautifully designed, worthy of your countertop, because our theory is if you enjoy this, right, if you enjoy picking up the products, using them, you know, it's part of your daily ritual, well, you'll take better care of yourself and, you know, and you'll come back and see us and preventative care is by far the best way to, to kind of stay ahead of any issues. Um, and so these products are, you know, really proud of them. We think they're going to have great impact on the on the patient um, and, and really get them doing it more frequently because that's unfortunately that's the name of the game, you know, when it comes to taking care of yourself. I'm telling my daughter that every every night. I'm like, you can't <laughs> just pretend. You can't just wave that over your mouth. You gotta you gotta get in there. Um, I think of my friend Josh Elizeche. I've had him on the podcast maybe two or three times now, and he's built an oral care brand, and he's kind of now moved into toothpaste and toothbrushes. But I think about your advantage of actually having the dentist and having that dental experience. How important is that in office experience to the product? Are you sort of selling in those in office experiences? To, you know, you, you get a toothbrush when you go to a dentist. Are you getting a coupon for fifty percent? off your electric toothbrush at a, at a 10 dentist? So we do provide like a beautiful gift when you come. So instead of just a plastic bag with random samples, I mean, it's our beautifully curated, you know, 10 branded products. So we do want to send you home, you know, with a, maybe a little starter kit. Um, we try not to sell you actually. I know that probably goes against the ethos of the DTC community and my, my previous background, but we would prefer to educate you, really show you the logic and why We've designed our at-home products a certain way. Um, and that relationship you have with your dentist and especially your hygienist is critical to kind of taking better care of yourself at home because so many times it's the hygienist who's recommending product or care to the member who may not necessarily like, how do you properly floss and which toothbrush is right for me? And I'm confused. There's a million toothpaste flavors and ingredients. How do I know which one is appropriate? Um, and so people do seek expert opinion. And if you have a good relationship with that clinician, then you'll likely uh, take their recommendation. Tend is such a unique experience. Like I say, the delta between your expectations and what you deliver. And then you've got the other oral care products. I think Breezy Braces are pretty unique. I've only seen this technology um, maybe in one other instance of people kind of going on inside of the mouth. But how has the marketing, the, the digital marketing gone for the non-in-office experiences? Has it been a challenge or have you been able to go broader with that? Uh, so I, I would say it's slow. You know, I, I think what we're learning is, you know, this is a category where when you were five years old, maybe eight, uh, someone gave you a toothbrush and toothpaste, you know, and it probably was Colgate or Crest. 
And that's kind of what you did for the rest of your life, right? Like everybody's a switcher in this category. And so that's why we're spending so much time working on the product itself, the product format, right? Make it, I mean, these are really beautiful. I, I have like samples at home, so I use it every day, but they're on my, you know, sink top. They look amazing. You know, when we have friends stop over, if they see them, they're like, hey, can I get some myself? I mean, so I think right now we're in that like early adoption, generate some awareness, get people to try it. You know, really, you know, make the claim that there is an alternative and it's a it's a great alternative to what people generally accept in the category. And it's probably because mom and dad a long time ago, that's what they bought at the store. Right. And then you didn't think much about it thereafter, unless maybe once in a while your dentist or hygienist thought you needed something else because of some issues in your mouth. But we were we're, we're going to take a big swing at this and seeing if we kind of can't get people excited and kind of jolt them out of that stasis into something a bit more exciting. I was just remembering back in like in my school days, I think we had the school nurse a couple times come in and show us how to brush on, you know, one of those models of teeth. And I don't think my daughter's at a different school, so I don't think she gets that at all. Is there any like what else are you thinking of for education and how to kind of break these break into these wider markets? I think influencer, you know, is going to be important for us. Right. I, I, I think it's a channel where, you know, one, we'd get a lot of inbound requests from influencers, you know, who are either in health and beauty or fitness, um, who are interested not only, say, in visiting 10 or doing breezy braces, but but in the at-home uh, products. And I think their ability to kind of demonstrate what this is, you know, why it's a better version, you know, that, that people currently have, um, the ability to break out of certain geos, right, get away from our brick and mortar presence, you know, more into digital distribution. Um, I think that's that's going to be a really critical pathway for us um, and get people, you know, excited to, to induce trial. What keeps you up at night about marketing a product like this? Well, I will say I'm going to give you two answers. The global pandemic, <laughs> you know, we were six months into this thing flying high, couldn't build them fast enough. And, you know, you have the most infectious disease in 100 years and a respiratory illness at that. Um, and so that that did. And, and we've learned, though, that the dental industry really is among the safest. They've done a great job. Uh, with PPE and, and safety protocols and very little has been traced to the industry. So I eventually got back to sleep on on that. You know, I would say what, what keeps me up is just, and I'm sure this is said often on the show, but is just the reliance on a limited number of technology platforms, right? And that the ability to access the consumer in a, a meaningful way, you know, you just, you're always at the whim of someone else, right? And this is why I've been urging my team to focus on, can we get more emails? Can we get more phone numbers? How do we do, you know, live events where, you know, we can talk to people directly? Um, I just, you know, Facebook prices are so high right now. And, you know, if you have a bug in your account at Google, you know, you, that throws you out for a few days. Um, and in, in the DTC world, you know, you, you can't lose that much time, you know? Um, and so to de-risk the, the business and to move into, you know, uh, a more diversified mix. Um, I mean, I would love that. I'm sure many of us would. Um, and so, you know, I'm often, you know, find myself thinking about that. What channels are you mainly reliant on now? <laughs> well, would be paid social uh, search. Uh, of, you just can't get around it, right? And now with TikTok, it's like even more, yep. right? So every time you think maybe you could like take a deep breath, there's some massive new uh, new thing. But, you know, we do the best we can to diversify our mix, but those are still uh, the big ones. We do see nice traction from at home, though. 
Um, and I think that's the beauty of having a brick and mortar network. You know, we can leverage, uh, you know, billboards and digital screens and you can run them up for a couple of weeks, take them down, move them around, uh, you know, great ad recall. Um, so that's one where we and we've seen that, you know, uh, consumers play that back to us where they'll tell us that the very first time they learned of Tenman was that they were walking around their neighborhood. Um, so that's a channel that we've kept in the mix and, and I don't see it going away anytime soon. Yeah, actually, the first time that's this is the first time out of home advertising has been mentioned on the podcast. We've talked about uh, outdoor media and talked about, but I, I just that's good to hear. That. I love it when new acronyms come on the podcast. So, yeah, thanks for breaking that one. No, I mean, out of home is honestly like 10, 15% of our members cite out of home as, as the place they discovered it. Um, you know, we were, I'm very bullish on direct mail. We had Im- immense success with it uh, at HelloFresh. I mean, just a huge program. Um, and we were starting to see some breakthrough. Um, before the pandemic, but with everybody relocating and the migration patterns, you know, during COVID, you know, we've had to hold back on direct mail as a result. So that's like a classic dental channel, right? Everyone's got a piece of mail about a dentist. Um, unfortunately, just with, you know, especially in the urban settings with people moving around so much in the last couple of years, you know, we've, we've been reluctant to kind of turn the program back on. It's time to let your customers enjoy the products they love without the friction of reordering. That's why the world's most innovative brands like Pete's Coffee and Il Maquillage rely on order group subscriptions to build long-lasting customer relationships and deliver recurring revenue. Order Groove integrates with all e-commerce platforms, making the experience easy to manage and seamless for shoppers. From enrollment incentives to churn-fighting AI, Order Group gives your business the tools it needs to be the next big subscription success story. Visit ordergroove.com DTC to receive two months off your first contract. Uh, HelloFresh had a really strong um, – because I believe HelloFresh was the exact meal kit that we were on for for several periods of time. And HelloFresh did such a great job with um, incentivizing customers to become uh, affiliates by saying, hey, here's a free meal kit you can give out or give this out to to various people. Is that something that you can kind of build into your market as well? How do you – besides providing an amazing experience, do you have other ways that you try to turn your patients into advocates? Yeah, referral was was huge for us at HelloFresh. I mean, probably our number one channel. Um, even years and years into that journey, it stayed high. Um, and so, you know, one member or one subscriber became two or three. Um, and that's exactly, you know, what you want. So we do put some things in place uh, here. This is a much more considered purchase in some respects or purchase, if you want to call it. You may not be in cycle, right? Just because I go doesn't mean it's your turn to go. Um, insurance plays a role. You may have something different than I have, and therefore the experience is slightly different. Um, but our NPS is so high, and we have such positive word of mouth online that the referral component is important to us, and we do everything we can to give members the opportunity. We do offer a modest uh, incentive in, in certain markets. Um, and so we were, and we've made it kind of a top five priority for us this year because I, I just know the value and it's one of the great loops, right? For paid advertising. Um, and so I, I expect us to, to invest even more here, uh, just given how good the, the, the experience is, um, and how people are talking about us online. You mentioned net promoter score, and this is something that I've learned about over the past couple of years running this newsletter, just trying to keep track of what our reviews are of our content. Can you talk a little bit about net promoter score and how you've used it as a sort of central measure to, to make sure that you are delivering on this amazing customer experience? NPS is a top three 
KPI for us. Um, we watch it like a hawk. You know, everybody gets an opportunity after one of their uh, visits. We call them visits, not appointments, uh, to let us know how we did. Right, and we use the traditional question and the traditional uh, scoring system. But what we do then is we then try to break it apart in as many different ways as humanly possible. Uh, because to me, NPS is only good if you collect qualitative comments. If you can have some type of sediment tool analysis that can help you organize the qualitative feedback, and then you can prioritize work streams to actually improve, you know, what's not working. So if there are clear themes in your detractors, well, that they're telling you what to work on, you know, and a lot of it tends to be operational. So even if you have a beautiful operations business, most NPS comments will then give ops or in our, in, in our other case, revenue cycle management, which is how you kind of end up paying us through the insurance companies. It gives you very clear ways to improve. And that is NPS at its best, right? It's not just, we would love everyone to give us a 10, right? The world would be perfect place. That doesn't always happen. And when it doesn't, you got to be ready to understand why and then put work into action. And so I love that part of NPS, right? It, it just gives you such great detailed information to making sure that the next time that person comes back, they have a great experience. There's gold in Net Promoter Score for sure. What are your other, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned your, one of your top three metrics there. Can you speak at all about the other, the other two top three metrics? Yeah. I mean, we actually look at uh, customer satisfaction as well and it's similar, but different. So we do ask the NPS question, classic NPS question. Um, we do have customer satisfaction and a lot of time that ends up being clinical satisfaction. Because this brand is about being on the front line, you know, with the frontline workers, right? So you're in the chair, dental assistants, hygienists, doctors, you know, getting care, being confident in the treatment they recommend. Um, how is our bedside manner? You know, um, were the tools comfortable? Like, it, that's how so many questions did us. you ask with tools in people's <laughs> mouths? That's that's like the number one issue I have at the dentist. Don't ask me questions when you're in the middle of cleaning. Yeah, I hear you. We, we we try not to do that. We even have like an intake process where you could tell us, do you want a talkative, you know, appointment or not? But we we do try to respect that. There, you can watch your favorite streaming show, you know, on the ceiling. We have noise canceling headphones if you really want. So. I mean, that will tell the clinician, I don't want to talk to anyone right now. Um, yeah. You know, beautiful Warby sunglasses to protect you from the glare. So we do a lot to make it comfortable and to also make sure that if and when you need treatment, that you are you believe in our credibility. And so that's why that that second KPI is so important to us because let's just say, for example, you, you might have a, a design experience breakdown, right? You, you waited a couple minutes longer than you should have. But you may have the best clinical experience. We need to be able to tell the difference between the two because that clinical team may have provided outstanding care that day and there was still opportunity to improve your overall experience. And so we do look at them side by side, uh, especially that way we can provide feedback to the clinicians on, on what's working and on, on where they can improve. Very cool. And your third metric? Well, we have a ton. I mean, we're like every other digitally native brand, right? Where we look at everything from web traffic to app downloads to, you know, who's logging into their patient profile. Um, so like it, it does get a little wonky, you know, after that, those are like the two ones we probably put forward uh, the most. But I mean, we're tracking, you know, a number of items to making sure that we're giving a good experience. I wanted to ask too, one of the harder problems I imagine in the dental world is the talent as well and making sure that you're able to recruit the best dentists, the best, you know, the ones with the best uh, bedside manner and all that best hygienists. How has TEND fared in that space? You've hit the nail on the head. Um, I always ask, and I'm going to 
meander here for a second. I always ask my team, what business is Rent a Runway in? And everybody will say, oh, fashion or, you know, professional wardrobe or something like that. And I said, no, they're actually the country's largest dry cleaner. That's their business. They need to be the best at, at dry cleaning. So while we are a dental company, really at our core, we are a staffing company. Uh, and we build in over locations. And so we have to staff them ourselves. Um, and so we put a tremendous amount of effort uh, into recruit clinical recruiting, talent marketing, you know, telling clinicians that not why did they pick dentistry, but why they should pick tend and how we're changing the experience for the better, both not just for the member, but for the doctor as well. Um, and that, you know, this is kind of come join the team that's that's fundamentally changing dentistry. And wouldn't you want to be at the forefront of practicing uh, in that way? So the team does a remarkable job. Um, we have lots of openings because we're growing so fast and opening so many doors that like it's never going to stop. I mean, we will, by the time it's all said and done, we'll have thousands and thousands of clinicians across the country, um, you know, who want to do this in a, in a different way and 10 can provide that opportunity. So it's a big part of what we do. You're at 20 doors now. You said exclusively East Coast. What does growth look like for you guys in 2022? Well, we head west. Uh, so not exactly in this order, but uh, we'll go to Nashville, uh, Chicago, Minneapolis, and San Francisco. So we'll we'll kind of double our markets, and uh, you know we're going to try to get to about 40 locations, uh, give or take. So we'll we'll we have a big year ahead of us. Um, pretty ambitious plans, you know, as a as a business. Um, but yeah, we'll be we'll be coast to coast, hopefully uh, by about July, August. So take Nashville as a case. You're gonna you're you're breaking into this market. What are the steps you take to make sure that you're going to make the biggest splash possible there? It's really important for us the two to three months ahead of time that we seed the market uh, the best we can. So that's everything from our construction vinyl, right? The second we sign the lease, we like to put up our construction vinyls, which tell you tend is opening soon. We're recruiting kind of that we do dental differently and you should look forward to us coming to town. We even, you know, we'll have the ability to, to go to a, a website and give us your email. Um, and then we start to switch on marketing, you know, well in advance, you know, we, we do want people to know about us, you know, we fight to secure, you know, earned media coverage. We look to do experiential events uh, on the ground. I mean, we really do want to swarm uh, a marketplace so that on day one, the clinical staff actually has patience <laughs> and a full schedule, you know, and it's a fun, dynamic, you know, exciting opening. Um, and, you know, it's a positive to have tend in your neighborhood, you know, or as your neighbor. Um, and so it's 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 aggressive. I mean, it's you know, we it's always a little nerve wracking opening up a new market. Um, we're even hiring a dedicated person to just new markets uh, because it's that important to us. Um, but, uh, you know, each one has its own unique local elements and you kind of have to figure out how to master them. Local influencers, other what what else on the local front? Like, are you going as far as you know getting you know local newspapers, local local magazines on board? Yeah, so like in DC, that's exactly what we did. You know, we had a partnership with a coffee shop that made a custom like mint toothpaste flavored coffee drink, which was interesting. Uh, people, that's interesting. <laughs> they did enjoy the novelty of it, uh, but we got like five hundred leads from that day at the coffee shop. So like it worked. Uh, you know, we partnered with. Uh, like a local ABC affiliate who wanted to learn more about these locations. And, you know, that was really beneficial. We got some some placement in magazines because, well, you're creating jobs and there's economic activity. Um, we even we really partner with our real estate partners. Right. So they own buildings and they have signage in their lobbies and in their elevators and events. And so, 
you know, we're, they, they want to have help us, right? And so we really try to do an immersive on the ground, you know, experience so that we become, you know, a fabric of the community. Um, but, you know, it takes boots on the ground, a lot of local know-how. Um, and maybe each market is slightly different, right? Like one thing that resonates in DC may not in San Francisco. So we're going to have to figure out, you know, that local secret sauce. What's the gargler? I just found the gargler on your on your website. I, the name just drew me in immediately. Yeah, it's a fun name. Uh, we've really kind of had that since the beginning. We have a talented, uh, you know, content uh, leader, and so this this is his brainchild. Um, it's our blog. You know, it it, it gives us a, a forum uh, to really explore any topic, kind of oral healthcare related, um, and and do tens take on it, right? You know, so what does it mean to go to tend? Should you be using charcoal in your toothpaste? You know, spoiler alert, probably not. Um, but you know, should I? Because I actually am right now. I, I I I'll take this and I'll throw that out right away. <laughs> you don't want the Yahoo marketer telling you how to take care of your teeth, but uh, true. our clinicians and you know the people that really know what they're talking about would suggest not that you should pursue an alternative to charcoal okay. toothpaste. Um, but this is the gargler really gives us a chance to, to educate, to speak to the marketplace. We can feed the gargler content into our app. So when you're home, if you have some questions, hopefully there's content, you know, that, that speaks to it. So that's, that's really what it is. It's a lot of fun for us. Uh, you know, we can announcements about the business when we launched our app or open new doors or, you know, do a fundraising round. Uh, so it really has a, a wide mandate. Um, and it's always part of any, any time we go to market or want to, you know, talk to our consumers, it's always part of the mix. I see that obviously insurance is a part of, of the business, being able to check what your insurance covers and whatnot. Have you ever thought about offering insurance? I, I bring this up just because, again, this Josh Elizeche friend of mine, he mentioned if he was building his company again, he would earlier on be off be building out ins- actual insurance offerings to his customers. Is that something that Tend has thought about? We've thought about it. I mean, we think about insurance pretty much every day. We have a whole team dedicated to just revenue uh, cycle management. Um, we probably, you know, aren't quite ready, you know, for, for that, whether we would do it ourselves or partner with someone who could help us do it. Uh, you know, right now, what we're, we're trying to do is bring as much price transparency, you know, to the experience ahead of time. So we have our insurance checker, which you do before your visit. You know, whether you're just thinking about booking or after you've booked. So that way you understand exactly what your cost is before you go. Um, so in the event that you do have some out of pocket, there are no surprises. There is no balance billing attend, nothing after your visit. Everything is up front. Um, and so that's what we're working on with insurance right now is trying to, you know, curate the best insurance partners who also believe in kind of our use of technology to shed as much light on what is a really opaque part of the patient experience traditionally. If I were to give you $50,000 to put into growth of TEND uh, today, where would you put it in the next couple months to see the biggest growth return? That's a great question. Uh, I think my boss would probably say, keep it, uh, drop it to the bottom line. Personally, I, I would want to uh, you know, try a new channel, right? I, I think like a testing budget, is by far, you know, the most important thing. Or try two to three, you know, smaller channels, you know, things where, whether it's connected TV, uh, you know, streaming TV or YouTube, uh, you know, something much more probably video-based, um, potentially super local, you know, um, but but something where, you know, under the kind of more hard knock, you know, hard nose DTC thing, you, you kind of can't risk it, you know, because a dollar taken away from your core channels could could ultimately inflate our acquisition costs. You know, if I could do that, um, I would I would move towards testing and, and likely in a higher risk video based uh, channel. 
I've heard some amazing things about television recently. I'm going to have a friend of mine on the podcast who's an entrepreneur in Australia, and he has some stories about some friends that have just done extremely well with television, uh, which is which is interesting because I imagine it's a it's a high commitment channel where you've got to spend a lot, and you're not going to be able to do these small little buys in the way you might be able to on a TikTok or uh, Facebook or Google. But I could just see huge dividends in there, especially yeah, and and I think anything visual, anything storytelling, even if you were to you know I think podcasts could be a really interesting one for you. Um, for people that are really a- able to have an experience and then talk about it as part of the ad. Have you have you tried anything in the podcast space yet? We did um, pre-pandemic. Uh, we definitely did. And we've looked at opportunities, you know, to kind of say like, you know, just the, the tracking capability. We're very much like if you can't track it, you can't spend it. So, you know, what are the different kind of models in order to do attribution better, say, through a podcast? Um, so that that is definitely one that would be on the short list. I did a ton of TV at HelloFresh. Um, $50,000 is probably the minimum weekly buy for national DR remnant inventory, right? So you're looking at cable and you, you hope for the best that you don't get preempted, but that's probably, you know, the best you can do. And then you can kind of expand from there if you can validate, you know, its impact on, you know, website traffic. So yeah, TV still very much alive and well. Um, the challenge with some of our, you know, marketing is again, getting down to zip, zip four even like that level of specificity sometimes you know with video distribution that's really tough you know i know of a few partners that can do it it's the same thing in podcasts very few we only found one that can get local enough and so what we're trying to do is get a little bit of scale going so potentially now we can you know kind of play at the dma level or at least potentially aggregate maybe a couple of places together so that the buy makes more sense. The first couple of years, it was just tricky. We were so small that you know one TV spot could overwhelm you probably. So it's been that's part of that unique growth challenge, um, given that you know how local we are. Other are, are there any other brands that you'd want to shout out? Any other brands that you think are doing uh, that are either in your life personally, in your space that that you that you're a big fan of? You know, I've been spending a lot of time with the coffee startup. Uh, it's a Come Tier, Come Tier. Uh, they do the frozen pods. I actually just ordered them today, uh, probably two hours before this show. They have a great funnel. Um, I'm a coffee nut. People in my life will tell you that. Um, And so someone recommended – I've been getting a lot of ads from them on Insta and the like. And then someone I trust actually recommended them yesterday. And so finally I pulled the trigger. But both in terms of their ad, the site experience, both mobile and desktop, so far the checkout experience, like it's been first rate, like really sharply well done. Um, I'm looking forward to the delivery and then that first cup of coffee. Um, they've done a really great job. They've got some great investors, uh, you know, for their early concept. And this seems weird, right? Frozen coffee that I, I pour a little hot water in. So I'm, I'm optimistic, um, but the coffee purist in me is a little skeptical. And I guess it's a good fit as such a coffee lover that you're also on the dental hygiene side so you don't you don't get those nasty stains. And that kind of brings to my, my, my next question. Like, I feel like there's dental hygiene is is one space and then there's sort of like cosmetic teeth whitening. And I feel like the, the, those worlds are merging, but I bet in tend they're merged really, really well. Would, would you agree? Well, yes, we, we really intentionally offer comprehensive services so that, you know, you, you don't have to go to four different people to achieve one outcome, right? That just doesn't seem like a wonderful uh, care experience. Um, And so one of the big insights we have is that people often feel judged, right? When they go to the dentist, whether they drink coffee like me or dark beer, red wine, scotch, you know, you get your teeth stained, maybe you're not flossing and you feel when you're in the chair, like you have to like defend yourself, 
<laughs> you know, like, oh, I swear I'm flossing and 70% of America isn't kind of thing. Um, and so it's important that all those services are there. And then how we talk to you about them, you know, what, what are your goals? You know, for some people, it's health. They just want a really healthy mouth. And there are things you can do. For some people, it's 100% aesthetics, right? They want beautiful white, straight teeth, kind of the classic American dream. Um, you know, for some people, you know, especially as they get older, you know, they have far more significant restorative needs, you know, and so they want to know that they don't have to go somewhere else. And so, uh, you know, we've really thought about those journeys and how today you might be one profile of patient, but tomorrow you may be someone who's slightly different or you're approaching a major milestone and you want to brighten up your smile. You know, so they're all great reasons and we want to be able to credibly serve that need and we want to keep you inside that that 10 brand system. Fantastic. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast today. If, if you're out there wanting to know more about 10, you should go to hello10.com and check them out. If they're if, if people want to follow you and your uh, your marketing journey, where do they recommend they do that? Uh, I would probably say LinkedIn would be the best place uh, to find me. I, I can't say I'm the most prolific kind of marketing leader uh, in the digital worlds, but LinkedIn is is probably your best bet. And, um, you know, my head of comms tells me that, you know, potentially Twitter might follow at some point. So uh, I guess stay tuned. All right. Well, thank you for coming on the DTC podcast today. Oh, it's my pleasure. It was a, a real thrill. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumeralloneword.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.